Hello, guys, and welcome to part two. We promise Ryan will not chug any more mustard soda on uh, this part. So if you're looking for that, go back and listen to part one or watch part one. And uh, you can you can listen to that and Ryan's belch all you want. <laughs> and so if you missed part one and you're listening to part two, Ryan had a pretty epic mustard soda belch. But uh, we're not going to get into that too much because we have a topic to discuss. And the topic tonight is why do bad things happen to good people? That age old question or why do good things seem to happen to bad people or people that don't seem to deserve it? And so that question, why, why God, um, is often a question that we hear that we've probably all asked ourselves when we're going through something chaotic, difficult, troublesome, um, you know, just unsure, uncertain times. But um, we want to start this discussion by asking, and we'll talk about this a little bit together, is, is it okay to ask the why question? I mean, is it okay for us to to go to God and, and say, God, why? What do you guys think about that? Is it okay to ask why? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> hey. Yeah. No, I think it's always okay to I think it's always okay to ask why. Um I think it's natural to ask why. I think when 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 things happen whether to you or to other people around you, um, you know, you see, we see terrible things in the news all the time. It's a very human response to want to seek out reason for things that are unreasonable and that don't make sense to us. Um, so I definitely think that that is a, is an okay response to have. Um, and, you know, and, it's not you know, not the first time and not the last time that I'm sure that has been brought to God by a multitude of people. Well, I think that's a question that everyone asks. I think there are oftentimes um, Christians who, when faced with evil or what they're viewing as evil, feel like they're bad uh, Christians to question God. Christians to question God. Um, but you're just being honest and we're told to cast all of our fears or anxieties, uh, on the Lord for he cares for us. Uh, I think God's shoulders are big enough to take our questions. Um, so that, that would be my encouragement for, for Christians on why it's okay to ask why is, well, we're told to cast our cares on him and that means being honest with him. But then also my challenge toward any atheists, <laughs> uh, would be, be mindful of, to whom you are asking. You're not casting the, your questions into the universe. Um, you're casting your questions to the one that you're angry uh, at his existence. So have an honest conversation about to whom you're asking, why is there evil? Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up honesty, Grant, because that was my initial thought too, is, you know, and as you mentioned, Ryan, it's it's a very human response, that why. And I think for us to repress that as Christians and say, no, you, you can never ask why, how dare you ask why, um, I, I think is, you know, 
a little bit dishonest because, you know, you know, in our hearts, we are asking that why question. We are wondering, and I think it's okay to be curious. I, I don't think God wants to to rip that out of us. That's not what God means by, you know, wanting us to trust him, say that you can't ever ask why. Um, I think it's okay with an understanding that we may never get the actual answer to the why question. And so we can ask it all we want, but I think it's it's part of the grieving process. But also, I think it sort of opens the door for us to have a real and honest conversation with God and to hear from God. And ultimately, I think it is healthier to transition that why, you know, which may be initial and honest into a what question. You know, as James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. And so God wants to give us wisdom. He wants to fill us with wisdom. And uh, when we when we struggle to have answers, we go to God knowing who he is and say, God, what would you have me do in spite of what has happened? What would you have me do in these circumstances? And so God may never give you that full satisfactory answer, probably never will give you that full satisfactory answer to the why, but he will give you the what. Say, well this is where I'll have you go. This is what I'll have you do. And uh, I think that's imperative for us, one, to in, the, in a grieving process and a healing process, but also to begin to make sense of what is happening around us, or at least to get back on track to our purpose and our relationship to God, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think, I think that's spot on. And, and, you know, the, a lot of people just in our, society and culture a lot of people like to think of like when bad things happen they think of god as like this kid with a magnifying glass that's just like you know picking and choosing you know when bad things happen to who and you know people who have good things happen to them or you know um all that stuff and it's it's not that simple for one um you know there's there's plenty of instances you know in the bible for one that where or, you know, things happen contrary to what God's wishes were. Um, and I think, I think a lot of people misunderstand that, you know, part of, part of our humanness and our agency is the ability to go against, you know, what, what God has asked of us and commanded of us. And, you know, a lot of times that leads to bad things happening. Um, you know, on a wide scale in our world. And the, what, what God does say to us and through the Bible is that he's aware of this and he's aware that these bad things happen. And he gives us those, you know, things like Grant talked about, casting your doubts and your, your fears and, um, you know, your, your worries and all that stuff on God. You know, he provides us a place to go and to um, find comfort in. And, you know, like you said, Jeff, you know, find, you know, what, what am I supposed to do in this situation and this stuff that doesn't make sense to me? You know, how am I supposed to move forward and move on? God does help us there. And it's not like we're just left to our own devices in these moments. Yeah. And, and, and you kind of answered a question that we were going to discuss as well, or began to answer it, Ryan, is, you know, why is there evil? And that's the question that's often asked in this as well, when people are trying to understand God and, and why a God would allow certain things to happen. But um, 
know, for our listeners and to, to engage that conversation, if somebody comes to you and asks you, why is there evil in the world? What's a, you know, what's a way that we can respond to that biblically and uh, truthfully to that individual to, to help them in their, I guess, quest for knowledge and asking these questions? Well, I think the origin would be just sin in general. You know, we, we started texting about this earlier this week, that the topic would be, why do good things happen to bad people, bad things happen to good people? So we have the first recorded sin, probably even Adam entertaining Satan and then partaking of a fruit that they were told not to eat. And then look at their kids. You see one offering a righteous sacrifice to the Lord and him being the first murder. Because his brother, who didn't offer right sacrifices to the Lord, murdered him. So this this idea of bad things happening to good people and good things happening to bad people uh, kind of happens very quickly in our scriptures. What's that? Chapter four, yep. um, of Genesis. So it's it's a it's a Beauty and the Beast situation, a tale as old as time. Um, so one, you're not alone. So I'm counseling somebody through something like this. Well, sin is the cause. Uh, or sin kind of opened up that door. It's been happening ever since the first family. Um, so you're in good company. Um, but I would also encourage people at that point, it's evil is not something that's beyond God's control. And that's where it gets into kind of scary territory. Mm-hmm. Evil is not something that has power over our God. Um as scary as it might sound, I find it comforting a lot. Yeah. The situations I view as evil are not beyond my God's control or influence. It's definitely comforting, but at the same time, you do have those folks question, well, then why would God allow it? If he has power over it, why is God allowing this to happen? And you know, Why did he even allow the first sin mm-hmm. to enter into the world? You know, Why didn't he intervene and stop it? Or to philosophize, the famous instance, why would an evil spirit from the Lord come upon Saul, as we see in the book of what, 1 Samuel? Mm-hmm. So is is God not sovereign over uh, instances like that? One famous illustration, which is also terrible because all those illustrations fall down, but it's to illustrate our faulty perception. So... Uh, a ski patrolman sets off a controlled avalanche to save lives. So he skis up to the top of the mountain, uh, sets off the explosion, watches the avalanche, and he's, he goes, that was good, and skis home. The guys that were camping in the tree line, who that ski patrolman was unaware of, who die in that avalanche, that was an evil instance. Um. Now, I'm not saying that the ski patrolman was God and the, the people that died are us. However, we do have different perceptions of things. There have been many instances in my life that I've thought, this is an evil thing that's happening. Lord, make it stop. That ultimately ended up for my benefit. That I'm glad he did not stop. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you, you talked about First Samuel, like one of my mm. favorite instances of just, you know, not necessarily with like evil things happening, but just with, you know, God allowing things to happen that are not necessarily what his wishes are is, you know, First Samuel, Samuel warns Israel against having a king. 
and you know god telling them you know basically through samuel that you don't need a king you have me yeah like the that's not needed but israel you know they chant you know we want a king like there there needs to be a king over us and then through that god brings forth saul and works through saul to give him wisdom and to mm-hmm. lead the people of israel so it's not just because israel went against god's wishes doesn't mean that he was absent from the result mm-hmm. and two we we can get philosophical about it as well and there's a lot there's a lot of sort of rabbit trails that we can go down on this but um you know thinking back to the fact that we have a loving god who has given us the ability to choose he didn't make us mindless robots mm-hmm. but gave us the freedom to choose and to um you know make decisions in life now there's a lot that we can digress on on that but um unfortunately you know because sin entered into the world we've as mankind have chosen to rebel against god and so a lot of this is yeah god has the power over it but when we go back to the the source of it it's us you know as james one continues to say you know um, it's not God who tempts us, but it's, you know, when we're lured and enticed by our own desires, um, that's when it gives birth to sin. And so, again, it's about perspective, as you said, Grant. And, um, you know, we have a God who in Isaiah 55, 8 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my are your ways my ways. Uh, we have a God who could, if he wanted, give us the entire blueprints, but it would blow our mind. I mean, there's no way that we could handle it. Um, it's it's called Yah's ways. That's right. Yah's. And so we, we could, you know, we could ask those questions, those why questions and God could give us that answer, but is that really going to be what's best for us? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we, we choose sin every day, um, which is not what's best for us, even though we know what, right looks like um you know we still mess it up and so you know when when we start to really dive dive into this and think about it we got to realize again our place and uh, be thankful that we have a god who has power over it a god who is loving and at the same time look in the mirror and say you know what i'm part of the problem and that that evil uh i i contribute to it and uh you know look at ways in which we can follow Christ more closely and not contribute to it. Yeah. Oftentimes, you know, man's selfishness is the root cause of so many yeah. you know, bad things that happen in our world. Mm-hmm. So, well, oh, go ahead. Well, think about like Jeremiah, they're facing the Babylonian <clears throat> captivity and especially the section of Jeremiah where he's talking back and forth to the Lord. He's asking this exact question of the Lord. Um, Righteous you are, O Lord, when I complain to you, uh, yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? So I think it's so fascinating that, I mean, God, um, there are many benefits uh, ultimately for Israel because of the Babylonian captivity, and but they wouldn't view it that way for many, many, many years. Um, but God used it. And, uh, I mean, ultimately it was God telling Jeremiah, dude, just trust me. 
I have this under control. I planned this that you're viewing as evil. I planned it. It's actually punishment for you. It's because I love you. Um, and that's why I always I like going back to God's control piece. It's not beyond him. Nothing's mm-hmm. beyond him. Not even our most evil moments are beyond him. Cat. I, th- I think so. That, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to transition to a, a new thought. So if you have oh, something. Yeah. I was just going to say on. that I, th- I think that um, we gather my thought here. Um, I think that we oftentimes forget that, you know, even in the best of circumstances, our individual oh, lives are short lived in the greater grand scheme of things. And oftentimes that's where God's, you know, sight is. He's working on a much bigger picture than just the here and now. And um, I think that's easy for us to forget because we see things from such a small point in time and, you know, in our world. Um, So, you know, it's, it's, it's something to remember is that, you know, there's, there's bigger things going on aside from just what is going on with you at the, that current moment. Yeah. And, you know, not only that, we we're so small minded about it that even those things that we think are what is good for us, uh, you know, just as, as, as we pray sometimes and ask God specifically how to answer that prayer, we think this is the best course for us. And when that doesn't happen, we see that as, oh, well, you're allowing this person to get what I prayed for, but I'm not getting that. Thus, why is God allowing good things to happen to them and not to me when in reality, you know, are those things what is best for us? Um, you know, I, I, again, we look to scripture, you know, guys like, um, Paul saying, you know, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. You know, ultimately that is what is best for us. Um, you know, we're, we're not, um, guaranteed anything in this world or entitled to anything in this world and, uh, don't necessarily need anything other than God himself. And, uh, you know, oftentimes we think we know what's best for us, what we ultimately need. And God's like, no, I got this. I got the plan. You know, just as you said, Grant, things that you think are evil that are happening to you, it turns out that that God actually used that for uh, your good and your benefit. Like Joseph, and that's exactly what that's he right. says. Yep. Well, reunited right. with his brothers after they sell him into slavery and he's falsely accused and all that stuff. He is the one that finally sees it at the tail end because God's will is largely determined in retrospect. Looking back, as like you said, mm-hmm. Ryan, we're volitionally living forward. Yet when we pause and look back, we see that God was good and providential and faithful and all of his attributes largely looking back. So the problem of evil in the moment can seem so big. That's where trust can seem so hard. Like, God, I trust you. This sucks, but I trust you. Yeah, and Joseph is the ultimate in why are these things happening to me stories. You know, you, you don't really see Joseph get like that much in Genesis, but... You know, obviously we ask the question as we're reading it, it's like, here this guy is doing all the right things and he just keeps running into bad luck after bad luck. But we're also privy to see the end of the story, the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. And uh, we see how, um, you know, what man intended for evil, God used for good and the position that God ultimately put Joseph in and the preservation of his, his people. And so a powerful story. If you haven't read it, 
And maybe you're reading through the Bible, doing one of those plans to start the new year. You're going to get to Joseph very soon because most of Genesis is Joseph. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, definitely really relates to the topic we're getting into today. Um, Not really changing gears, but, but asking sort of a different question. How often have you seen this sort of mindset or mentality of the why God, why me as a deterrent to faith? And do you have any examples that you've seen in your own life and ministry or maybe just examples you see in the news and our world uh, and, and talking to folks? I mean, my bears haven't beat the Packers since 2018. <laughs> Why does so much evil happen to the good guys? <laughs> sad. That's so sad. Well, I mean, so, I mean, this topic that we're talking about is actually they called the problem. <laughs> they spanked my bears. It's called the problem of evil. So for all of our listeners, if you went further reading and to read actual um, theology and philosophy written about this issue, it's called the problem of evil. How could a, a good, loving, benevolent God exist where all this evil persists in the world? How could a good God allow the Holocaust to happen? This is one of the biggest reasons the, the post-church people that I get to interact with, and I'm, you know, I'm trying to win them back to our church, uh, from this church that we inherited, long story. When I'm talking to those people, it's always instances of evil that's happened to them or evil that's happened in their lives or family members who went through horrific things and they prayed, Lord, let this not happen. Let this not happen. Um, that's one of the largest reasons they'll, they'll give me for why they left a church is because evil happened and God didn't intervene. All the time. Yeah, and and it's it's often that, and then obviously the whole adage of well, you know, people in the church don't live like people in the church should. You know, the whole everyone in the church is hypocrites. It, it, that seems to be it's almost like a broken record yeah. in in counseling sessions. When when I was uh, a chaplain at West Point, uh, I I had so many interactions with cadets, and of course, this has been true throughout all my ministry, youth ministry, and even as a chaplain, the 12 years I've been doing this, but I saw it so much at West Point. And I think specifically because I was at West Point during COVID 2020. And so cadets were, were locked down. Um, Looking and, like ninjas. Uh, yeah, they, they were, they were asking why quite a bit, but it, it, it was such a deterrent because they're trying to understand God and his goodness. We sing about, you know, he's a good, good father. And we sing that line like 300 times in that song. And they're like, well, why is he a good, good father? I mean, here I am stuck in, in my situation. And, uh, and, and then we see all the events that happen around our world. You mentioned the Holocaust grant, but you know, every time there's a mass shooting, it seems like this comes up. Um, if it's not the gun debate, it's like, well, why would God allow this to happen? Um, you know, why, why are there people starving around the world? Um, you know, what, why are there people in Hollywood who, you know, under a lot of suspicion are, are pedophiles, but yet they're successful. And, uh, these questions get thrown out quite a bit. And, um, you know, I, I think are legitimate questions to ask. We talked about asking the why question. But um, again, I think it goes back to that simple mindedness. Um, it is it is a deterrent to faith 
Um, but I think we as Christians have an opportunity when those discussions happen to really share truth about who God is. And, you know, again, specifically in his relation, who he is in relation to us and our purpose, because, um, you know, if, if, if we try to, and we'll talk about this in a second, you know, what is the wrong thing to say? But if we try to assume why God would do something, that's the wrong answer. And, and we, one, we don't know, mm-hmm. but uh, we're going to give a dishonest answer and probably screw that relationship up even more. <laughs> it's better for us just to be honest and say, we don't know the why either, but here's what we know about God. Yeah, I, I think I see I see it a lot in social media. Um, just, you know, strangers on the internet, giving their opinions on stuff. Um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people say that all give that kind of the roundabout, you know, answer of, you know, why, if, if God really exists, why would he allow X event to happen? Um, type thing. And I think that, I think that a lot of people miss other sides of those things. So like, you know, for example, like somebody might say, Hey, you know, there's people in poverty and starving on the streets and they're, you know, why would God allow this, you know, these people to live like this, but then they don't, they're, they just ignore the the people that are going out and giving of their free time and of their own resources to help those people. Um, you know, and, and, and in my mind, you know, that's, that's part of God working in these moments when bad things happen. And oftentimes, you know, not, not to say that Christians are the only people that do community outreach and do, you know, good things in the world, but God did call us to be his hands and feet in the world. And, you know, it's, it's partly on us to go out and to do what we can to write those things and to, you know, bring comfort to people in times of struggle and times of hardship. And I think for American people, what's really hard <clears throat> is there are two types of good, and that's beneficial good and inherent good. And we are so economical that we'll think about good as in, well, was that a good use of my time? Did I get something good by my definition of what good is from spending my time with that person? Um, we're so economical. The idea of beneficial good has very little bearing on on us. Like, it's good for me to be with the family of of Christ or to, uh, with the body of Christ and the church is a very broken place and the people at church can be annoying and the people at church can totally misrepresent Christ. And that's kind of the point. That's why we worship Jesus. We're not winning people to ourselves. Jesus we're, winning juke. we're winning people to him. So I don't, I don't do church because it's beneficially good for me. I do it because it's inherently good for me. And so the problem with looking at the world in light of beneficial good is we are playing judge determining what, good is and what good is not. And we're determining what evil is. So we're being judged. Um, and I think about uh, I, the Isaiah passage where it pleased God to crush him, ultimately referring to what Jesus would do to take care of sin once and for all by dying for us on the cross. Even from God's perspective, if I try to put myself in God the Father's shoes, I would view that as an evil event, that my son had to die being righteous and shed his blood, his, per, uh, his, his innocent, righteous blood for all of us sinners 
universally and eternally. Every believer that's every person that's ever existed has been sinful except for Jesus. And he lived every minute of every day sinlessly so that at the end of his life, he could offer his body as a sacrifice for our sin. So from the father's perspective, that is just not fair. That is evil that, that the innocent one would be killed on behalf of the many, but it pleased God. So even the father's perspective is that very evil situation by any human standard was good. And ultimately that was the greatest good that's ever come out of this world. So it's our faulty perspective. It's our sin, but God is good. He's inherently good. He might not feel beneficially good. God might call us to things like um, the cost of discipleship, picking up our cross daily and following him. That's not beneficially good. Why in the world would I do what I would consider beneficially evil by denying myself, picking up my cross and following him? I wouldn't. It's my faulty perspective for not understanding beneficial and inherent goods. And in addition to that, God teaches us so much in those moments as well. It's not to say that we can't hear God during what we might consider to be those times of blessing, those good times, but God teaches us so much when we're in pain, uh, when, when we're struggling. And a part of that is because it's not that God is speaking to us more. It's that, that our ears are open to receive that more. We recognize our need for God much more. C.S. Lewis says, God shouts to us in our pain. And so, you know, it, it's important to remember that perspective too, is that we can hear God best in the bad things. Not to say that we celebrate evil because of it, but at the same time, we can look back and say, you know, I'm glad I went through this event in my life, uh, this crucible event in my life, because this has really shaped me and made me better. And God has taught me so much. Um, but that's hard to say to an individual who's right in the thick of it. And so how do we minister to these folks that are struggling that come to us and maybe not even people that not necessarily come to us for advice, but maybe we enter into conversation with that we work with um, or maybe even in our own families, how do we minister to them in these moments um, where they're asking a lot of why questions? And then what is the wrong thing to say to these individuals? It, you know, what, what can we say as Christians that is not beneficial and what can we say that is? Do we want to start with the bad first? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm spending more and more time with uh, some military guys here, of all places. There's no bases around us other than like reserve posts. But I have several friends who are retired military. This has been a really interesting thing. So I have friends that were uh, like a friend who's forced retired forced recon from the Marine Corps. He's a recon Marine, Marta Marsock, like actually kicking doors and like doing tough guy stuff. And uh, I thought it was really interesting. I did a lot of reading on this because I was trying to counsel him and another friend who installed air conditioning on Marine Corps bases in the Middle East. Mm. And, you know, from an outside perspective, I think, okay, some of the trauma that the guy had introducing people to Jesus <clears throat> seems a little more intense for me than a boom going off 10 miles away when I'm installing an air conditioning system. But I learned that uh, like someone else's worst trauma in their life, if that's their 10, to their brain, that's their 10. And they're going to process it the same way that I'm going to process my 10. So what it helped me 
to avoid is perspectivism. Say, oh, you think that's bad? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, your your farmer's pig has one leg. Well, mine has only two, or lost one leg. <laughs> mine lost two. Like, so so don't play compare the comparative game. Like, well, you think that's bad? You know, in Africa, they don't even have food. Mm-hmm. Whatever you might want to compare it to. Um. Yeah. So definitely don't compare. Yeah, I, th- I think it's important not to be dismissive of people's, you know, experience and their emotions, you know, in a, in a given situation. I think mm-hmm. it's important to listen and to hear people and not just try to say what we want to say. Um, you know, when it, whenever I'm dealing with someone who who has had, you know, something awful happen in their lives and they're trying to work, th- work through it. My, my go-to response initially is to just like, just tell me, tell me what's on your mind, how you're feeling. You know, I just, I want to hear, hear from you. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to try and fix your problems. I don't want to try and, you know, I don't want to try and, you know, act like what you are going through doesn't matter because it does. Um, so that's, that's usually where I start is just to, just to let them, let them get it out. I think it's an important thing that we can do as Christians is just listen to people. What about when somebody comes to you and says, Hey, what, why did God allow my, my brother to die? And, uh, the Christian goes to him and says, well, well, it's God's will. How destructive is is it for us to say something like and that in that moment? It's incredibly callous in a moment like that. And, and, and maybe it's not said, you know, quite like that. But, um, you know, I, I've had conversations with many soldiers, cadets, who um, felt like they were dismissed because they went to somebody, a well-meaning Christian, mm-hmm. in a time of need and struggle, um, specifically with cadets dealing not only with death, but of things like, um, you know, being sexually assaulted. And, uh, you know, and, and I know that the, the church has taken a lot of heat on this, specifically the Baptist church mm-hmm. and pastors telling women, well, you know, th- this is all a part of God's will. And uh, while that may be technically true in, in the story of, of the universe, um, you know, evil is not something that, um, you know, God intended. Um, and, uh, and I, so I think one, it, it's, it's misleading, but also in that moment, um, you know, I think it's, it's us trying to answer something, you know, the s- most simple way possible or trying to even provide an answer when in reality we don't mm-hmm. know. And so, um, you know, sometimes it's all about our presence and not what we say, and so when I think about ministering to these folks, I, I think about listening. I think about being present. And uh, when they do ask questions, give honest answers and not try to pull something out of our butts mm-hmm. and uh, do more damage when that person's coming to us vulnerably in a, in a time of need. Yeah, I, th- I think things said in haste or without you know proper thought in those moments can be ultimately much more damaging in the long run than the, you know, whatever event it may be itself. Jeff, did you mention Columbine earlier? 
I didn't, but I, I, I mentioned mass shootings. Yeah, so I think about Columbine. I think I was in like fifth grade when it happened. Like my school in Hawaii like planted a tree for that and whatever. But like that was a big one that put school shootings on the nation's radar. These two boys who went in with trench coats and machine guns and kind of slaughtered a bunch of classmates. And America was looking for a scapegoat. And it came out that the boys were listening to Marilyn Manson. You remember that? Like he was one of their favorite artists, Marilyn Manson. And so the the world kind of pointed its um, its gun at at Marilyn Manson, and he's he said in a talk show he was kind of being grilled by this talk show host, like you were a huge influence on these boys. What would you have told them? And uh, to Ryan, to your point, and Jeff, to your point, uh, Marilyn Manson said in the interview something like, you know, if I if I had a chance to have an audience with them, I wouldn't have said anything. I would have listened. Mm-hmm. That was pretty powerful. Yeah, <laughs> an evil person, God using for his. Uh, I think for good. Those yep. are good words. And also just to validate a question, I think we forget that like most pastors use the phrase, they really mean conversions. I want you to convert, but we'll say stuff like, I want you to have a relationship with the Lord. Mm. Begin your relationship with the Lord. Well, think about that relationship. How do we relate to the Lord? And if somebody is even claiming atheism, but they're struggling with the problem of evil and that's brought to us. What an opportunity to help them relate to the Lord and see that they are relating to the Lord the same way that humans have been relating to the Lord for thousands of years documented. You, you hear David, um, I have a couple of bang, bang ones I wrote down earlier today. Problem of evil is actually one of my favorite topics. Um, I read the, the Jeremiah one. Why do the, the righteous uh, suffer and the wicked prosper? Um, but let's see, I mean, the book of Job is essentially a, an illustration in this, like bad things happening to good people. Um, yeah, the, David in the Psalms, uh, 92, seven, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers do flourish, they are doomed and, uh, to be destroyed forever. So we can think a little more eternal, less temporal. Um, I mean, Malachi, um, now we call the arrogant blessed evildoers not only prosper uh, but they put god to the test and they escape um you know the wicked here's what job says i think i I think this one is really interesting why do the wicked live reach old age and grow mighty in power their offspring are established in their presence and their descendants before their eyes their houses are far from fear and no rod of god is upon them Um, it's just interesting that when people are questioning god specifically how could God, or they might lie and say, how could a God, if God even exists, how could he do this? I think it's a really pow- powerful counseling tool to say, that's an excellent question. And validate mm-hmm. them, listen to, to them like you're, you're sharing, Ryan, and say, and awesome people have been asking the same question for centuries. Let me show you. Mm-hmm. And not solve it for them. It's not our job to fix it. The, it's right. not our job to play God. The Holy Spirit um he'll he'll enlighten and he'll love and he'll fill in all the gaps that we never can jesus already paid for it um, but i think we can do a powerful job of just empathizing and say man you're you're doing this human thing right <laughs> that's a right yeah. thing to ask and i hope that creates a longing for that to be fixed once and for all and if you're open i can i'd love to share with you how the story ends but in the meanwhile sit in it <laughs> just yeah. like king david sat in it just like job sat in it like Adam and Eve probably did when their sons are killing each other. It's like yeah. the father probably felt God himself empathizes with you right now. 
Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I think it's important to it's important to understand that we, you know, that we don't have all the answers, and we may no. never. And it's important to make that known to people when we are working, you know, helping them work through things. And, you know, especially to a non-believer, you know, it's, it's important to not act like we have all the answers because we don't, and we can't. Oh, my church knows that I know nothing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, even, even in uh, talking about evil, you know, uh, even uh, in Ecclesiastes, you know, there's, there's a whole section talking about, you know, the evil and, you know, how there's, you know, you're um, better to be somebody who is, not uh not yet been and not seen the evil deeds um but you know that's not always the case you know people have been contemplating this for a long time it's not it's not new mm-hmm. it's it's very very human to to ask these questions and have these thoughts and as christians we have to um you know fight the temptation to you know try to fix too many problems at once or even try to fix problems at all but um you know, I, I've known a lot of well-meaning Christians out there who, especially when somebody comes to you who's obviously been in a pattern of sin and they're seeing consequences of that sin or maybe not even direct consequences of that sin. Bad things are happening to them, but they've been in sin. Um, you know, the the Christian individual wants to call attention to that sin as being the reason and uh, focus more on that than actually empathizing and listening and, and loving on that person. So quite often I, I would get, um, and I've gotten this a lot from especially females that I've, I've counseled, Hey, I was, you know, out getting drunk with this group of people and um, this one guy who I've kind of been talking to, you know, invited me back to this Airbnb had, and we had some more drinks. And then I woke up the next morning and my clothes were off and I don't remember doing anything, but I'm pretty sure, you know, he assaulted me and, and now she's freaking out. And I've had instances in stories similar to that, where, you know, these, these ladies or, you know, even men in some regards in some instances have said that they've talked to Christians, Christian friends, um, even pastors and counselors who've, you know, directly correlated to that. Well, why were you out drinking? Why, Mm -hmm. why were you, uh, even going back to this guy's, um, apartment or whatever in the first place, there's a time and a place for conversations like that. But in the moment of this person, um, asking for help and seeking answers, um, that's definitely not it. And so we have to be, again, very careful about the things we say. And I think, um, you know, make sure that we are, um, you know, doing a much more listening than we are uh, talking sometimes, but also huh? taking cues and then using the opportunities that we have, um, you know, to build on that relationship so we can pour Jesus into that person. Were you about to jump in with something, Grant? No, I just said, huh, when you're talking about listening. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought you said, ha. Huh? Huh? <laughs> yeah. I think it's really well, interesting, too, when you think about, uh, this is another sermon, but I'll be very short. You think like Nicodemus, or sorry, not Nicodemus, Zacchaeus, the corrupt tax collector. 
right? I think about him as a prime example. His life was just changed by Jesus's presence. Jesus didn't have to tell him all the evil that he had done and to change his life. Jesus merely spent time with him and he, he repented himself. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to remember that when people are going through some stuff where my, my, my flesh wants to say, well, you idiot, stop it. Yeah. STDs are not like Pokemon. You do not have to catch them all. <laughs> and flies cause disease, so keep yours closed. <laughs> Jesus juke. <laughs> well, on that note, we are glad that you have listened to this conversation. Um, as we do wrap up in all seriousness, is there anything else, guys, that we didn't touch on in this conversation that um, you'd like to bring up or address? I just would like to say that, you know, when I personally am thinking about these questions and, you know, you're just thinking about the philosophy of evil and why does it exist and bad things happening to people. Um, I often think of the early church um, and the evil that they experienced, you know, the being under the Roman emperor Nero, who was very, you know, I know a lot of people like to act like they're persecuted in today's day and age, but you know, religious persecution was a real thing for many Christians or, you know, pretty much the entirety of the early church in that time. Um, and, you know, and you have instances where Paul, you know, wrote whole letters to churches from his prison cell, you know, and people, people focused on God in those times and they came out the other side better for it. And, you know, mm-hmm. not, not, not to say that all those people had great ends, but, you know, God ultimately did work through their time and their suffering for future generations to come. So, so their ten and trauma was, you know, being crucified or burned. But, you know, the ten and those other people, it's getting a B plus in chemistry. Bad <laughs> right. Wi-Fi at Passion Conference. <laughs> yeah, no Wi-Fi. <laughs> Not being able to get a Stanley Cup after waiting yeah. in line for two hours. Yeah. You know, Ryan, you know. The, there's a the famous quote: the blood, uh, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brian Regan and Jerry Seinfeld on comedians in cars getting coffee. It's probably my favorite yes. show. Uh, they're, they're talking about sports and Brian Regan says something like, Oh, I could watch any sport if it's do or die, meaning win and you're in losing you're out. And Jerry responded, Oh, you would have loved the Christians versus the lions. <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> and Jerry's like, listen, so what they died at 30 instead of 35. It's not like people were living that much longer. anyway." <laughs> I love oh, it. that's good stuff. Very hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brian Regan's going to be in Nashville in June, by the way. Nice. I'm excited. Might to go see yeah. it. Hmm. <laughs> well, relevantly to this one, uh, he had Ricky Gervais on. I think it was the second time that he was on the show. And Ricky Gervais told Jerry Seinfeld this joke. And he said, this Holocaust survivor dies and goes to heaven. And when he gets to heaven, he meets God and tells God a Holocaust joke. And God tells a Holocaust survivor... That's not funny. And the Holocaust survivor says, well, then I guess you had to be there. <laughs> right. Which is perfect for this problem of evil. Mm-hmm. How could God yep. let this good? Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, we've gone this whole podcast without mentioning Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. So ah, boo. way to go guys. We, we did it. <laughs> ah, crap. <laughs> you think we can get like, you know, collab with the uh, the new heights uh, podcast 
We should. We should at least try. <laughs> I mean, that, they're so. both potentially going to get eliminated in the playoffs this weekend. <laughs> so we'll see. As you're listening to this on Monday, um, you may already know. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, if if they're both out, they're, they're going to be looking for some good news stories. Oh, yeah. I thought Wild Card Weekend was all about playing Uno. No. <laughs> That's drawful Uno, Uno nothing. <laughs> I don't know. Did you, do you remember all those memes where Donald Trump was like holding the paper, like an executive order? He oh, signed, like, he oh, signed oh, yeah. some writing, yeah. whatever. Yeah, my favorite from that era was uh, from now on, we're going to call Uno one. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's pretty great. I did. Uh, I did reveal to you guys my my predicto on the latest podcast. My oh, yep. sister got this as a joke. This isn't any oh, endorsement of Trump or anything, but it's President Predicto. But you ask it questions and he answers. So we could end the podcast with you asking some questions if you want. Anybody have a question? And do I want to ask if uh, Travis Kelsey will be eliminated from the playoffs? Oh, goodness. One hundred percent. Oh, there you go. Hey. all right. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to see well, if President Predicto is. Yep. Right. We'll but see. he's kind of corrupt, Will Patrick. Right, so he could be wrong. <laughs> Will Patrick Mahomes cry? I would say maybe. <laughs> That's it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so either way, go either way. <laughs> It's like oh, going to an actual fortune so. teller. Like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Will Grant's pickle continue to curse 2024? We'll see what happens. Okay. <laughs> so sometimes he's a little vague. He's very noncommittal. It's <laughs> <laughs> Just like a politician. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So... But yeah, guys, thanks for the conversation today. Those of you that hung on to listen to all 50 minutes of part two, uh, thank you for listening. Mm -hmm. And we hope that you continue to listen, continue to pray for Josh, that he gets better. And uh, we're excited when he gets to join us back next week. If you just can't get enough of the dude facts, go back and listen to part one again. Uh, But go back and, and... Watch some of the other episodes. We're like at 44 or five Damn. now. So you, you got so many um, that are now just in syndication that you can go back and just watch over and over again. So plenty of good stuff a, out there. 100 episodes on our 100 episode. I'll, I'll chug hot dog water. Bet. Yes. <laughs> but like five day old hot dog water. Oh, God. Thanks for joining us, guys. We will see you next time. Affirmative. Affirmative. Affirmative.